0: If you like listening to my conversations with interesting people, you'll love listening to them or watching them on Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service where you can get access to these interviews early and ad-free, as well as bonus episodes from my YouTube channel, an exclusive series you can't find anywhere else. Sign up for Nebula by clicking the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe to support the podcast and help promote content that matters. This video is supported by CuriosityStream. So my wife and I spent this Thanksgiving at home this year for obvious reasons, but that just meant that we got to have our Thanksgiving dinner sitting on the couch watching the Westminster Dog Show. And, uh, those poodles. Those poor, poor poodles. I don't know how they got stuck with this look, but it always makes me think of barf and spaceball armor. But poodles are actually one of the smartest dog breeds. They just have the dumbest hairstyle. But yeah, some dog breeds are just generally smarter than other dog breeds. That's a known thing. They talked about that on the, on the dog show as I was watching it. And it always cracks me up whenever people talk about dog breeds being a certain level of smart. If people who have a dog that is not considered as smart as these other dog breeds, they always get really offended by it. And that cracks me up, you know, because they think their dog is... Their dog is special. Their dog's super smart. Like, I mean, would you love your dog any less if it wasn't smart? You know, are, are you gonna be disappointed if it doesn't get into a good college? Like, hey, do you want to see the dumbest dog in the world? That dog. That dog right there. As many of you already know, this is Jake. Jake's been with us for a while. He's getting up there in the years, getting kind of old, getting kind of skinny. I love Jake with every molecule of my heart. And he might be the dumbest dog that's ever walked the planet aren't you? For example, at night, I usually sit on this chair and do some work, and I usually let the TV run. So I close this door so I don't wake up my wife, who is in bed upstairs. But the dog will come down the stairs, and then he'll whine at this door, asking me to let him go through that door, not knowing, somehow, after 12 years, he has not figured out that you can just walk around. Twelve years. He also doesn't understand that I can't open the door if he's standing right in front of it. Dude. So, yeah, he's an idiot. But he's my idiot. I love him. But other animals are not idiots. In fact, some of them are so disturbingly smart that it kind of makes us have to rethink what intelligence actually is. Extraterrestrial beings descend on Earth in Ted Chiang's 1998 novella, Story of Your Life, which was later reimagined as the movie Arrival. They arrive in these giant pods and kind of float there, and scientists are brought in from all over the place to try to figure out how to communicate with them. And the process to figure out how to communicate with this alien species is extremely difficult, and I think realistic, because the aliens' language mimics their own brains, which do not work in a linear fashion. For them, time is cyclical. Or you might call it a flat circle, all right, all right, all right. And for all we know, that's how millions of life forms right here on this planet see it, too, but we don't know because we can't communicate with them. I mean, it's easy to see that Earth's creatures have their own communication system, just open your window and listen to the birds on a sunny day, or try to sleep to whale sounds sometime. The only intelligence we really understand is human intelligence. And even that is far from complete. We often evaluate a species' intelligence through the prism of our own brain power. And that's not really the best way to go about it. In fact, we're starting to understand that animals have their own kind of intelligence that might be completely unrecognizable to us. So how do we define intelligence when it comes to animals? Well, there are three aspects that most researchers look at. Self-awareness, self-control, and memory. One way to measure self-awareness is with what's called the mirror test. Mirror self-recognition is a type of self-awareness indicator that's been used on children, apes, dolphins, and elephants. Researchers place a mark, like a red dot, on the subject's face and then show it a mirror. If the subject touches the mark on the mirror, that indicates it doesn't recognize itself. If it touches the mark on its own face, that suggests that it has some idea of self-awareness. Human infants usually take between 12 and 18 months to figure out the self-awareness with a mirror test. Bottlenose dolphins do it in seven months. Other methods scientists use to measure animal intelligence include problem-solving experiments, tool use, facial recognition and memory, and brain size. Determining an animal's smartness requires separating two very distinct things, intelligence, mechanization. Intelligence is how information is processed and the inference is made from that. Mechanization is instinctual, or automatic responses to specific stimuli. I mean, for example, does an octopus change its color by choice, or is it just instinctual? Or does it even matter? As Philip Sofer asked in an article in The Atlantic. He said, quote, ascribing such importance to design, visualization, and inference is incredibly arbitrary. Within this context, intelligence is really an indicator of how similar an animal is to humans." Now, all of that is to say that animal intelligence sometimes is exhibited in ways that we don't even recognize as intelligence, according to our own understanding of it. So with that in mind, let's take a look at some of the smartest animals in the world based on our understanding of intelligence. First up is the octopus. I did a video a few months back earlier this year about cephalopods, which included octopuses. I'll put a link up here and down in the description. You should, you should go check it out. It's an excellent video. It's one of the best written episodes I've ever done. Just clearly exemplary writing, hands down, some of the best stuff that has ever appeared on this channel that um, should win a Pulitzer Prize. Why is that in the script? Why did Jason write that into this? Did he write the cephalopod script? Hang on. He did! Jason wrote the thing ce- Oh, Jason. He pulled a sneaky. Anyway, in that episode, I asked why octopuses are considered so intelligent. Well, one thing that helps is that they have one of the largest brains out of any invertebrate in the world. There's over 500 million neurons in the octopus. 350 million of them are in their arms. And this is what's so fascinating about octopus intelligence, because basically every arm has a little mini brain in it. So it doesn't just have a brain like we do. It has more of a a hierarchy of brains. But just to compare their 500 million neurons to us, we have like 100 billion neurons in our human brain. But still, hundreds of studies have shown how intelligent octopuses are. We've learned they can do such things as screw a lid off a jar from the outside and inside, navigate through mazes, solve problems, build stone defensive structures, make tools out of shells and coconuts, and even play. One study even showed that they can tell the difference between different people. Researchers had two different people stand in a room with an octopus, one of which acted really friendly toward the octopus, and the other one acted standoffish and indifferent. And when they returned to the room later on, the octopus paid a lot more attention to the friendly person and kind of ignored the person who had ignored it. Because, I guess, octopuses hold grudges. And octopuses are clever, too. One might say downright devious. There's an anecdote about how fish in a lab kept going missing, so the staff at this lab put up a camera to see what was going on, and what they found when they watched the footage later was an octopus in a different tank got out of that tank, went over to the other tank, opened the lid, got the fish, got out of the tank, closed the lid, and then got back into its own tank. It actually covered its own tracks. And they've also been shown that they have the ability to plan ahead of time for things. The coconut octopus actually carries coconut halves around with it wherever it goes before eventually getting inside of it and closing the two sides around itself for protection. Jennifer Mather's been studying octopuses since the 1980s, and she thinks that the fact that they carry these shells around with them uh, instead of just using them when they find them is super important. She told Life Science, quote, that's using the environment, but it's much more important. It's predicting what you're gonna need for the future and taking the actions now, planning for what you're gonna have to do later. And that, along with a million other things, makes octopuses super cool. Seriously, you should go check out that video that I did. Jason thinks it's the best thing I've ever made. Next up is elephants. Elephants are kind of famously known for having a great memory, and they have earned that reputation. But it's not just being able to memorize things, they also use tools, they actually clean their own food, and they can follow human commands. And they're also incredibly social and empathetic, not just to other animals, but to other species as well. Empathy is considered a really big signal of intelligence. And those who have worked with and interacted with elephants often talk about how smart they are. But exactly how smart are they? One study conducted by researchers at the University of Sussex in Brighton in the UK found that elephants were able to understand language differences. They can also know if it's a woman, a man, or a child talking. And the reason they know that is because there are only certain tribes in Africa that hunt elephants. The researchers played recordings of the Maasai who actually hunt the elephants, and recordings of the Kamda who don't, to see how differently those elephants would react to them. And sure enough, when they played recordings of the Maasai, the elephants reacted fearful and you know, created some distance, moved away from it. When they played recordings from the Kamda, they didn't really react in any way. So they decided to dive a little bit further into it and played different recordings of Maasai men, women, and children talking to see if they would react differently to those. And sure enough, when they heard men's voices, they reacted more fearful. They didn't really react the same way with the women and the children, because the men are the ones that do the hunting. So the elephants are not just smart enough to understand that humans could be a threat to them. They actually understand the different languages that the humans are speaking and know which one of those to be afraid of. With their large bodies, they also have very large brains, and they use these large brains in these social situations to to work together, to cooperate, and to solve problems. In one experiment, for example, two elephants worked together to drag ropes attached to either side of a table that held two food bowls because one elephant wasn't strong enough to pull it. There's even been instances of elephants mimicking human voices. Researchers discovered that an elephant named Kosik in the Everland Zoo in South Korea could actually speak six different Korean words and could do it well enough for people to understand it. Kosik would place his trunk inside of his mouth, modulating his vocal tract shape to create the sounds. Good. Good. Yeah. And that's really cool, um, but it's also kind of sad because uh, apparently they think the reason why it's doing this is it's trying to communicate with people because it's it's lonely. Basically, it didn't have any other elephants around it growing up, so this is its attempt to communicate with people, which is cool. Also, just a little bit sad. Sad, but that just kind of shows you how emotional and social these animals are, which is really kind of amazing when you think about it. Next up is the goat. Today, when you call something the goat, it usually means greatest of all time. And maybe the goat is actually the greatest of all time. I mean, eh. I mean, look, you might be a cat person, you might be a dog person, but if you're a dog person, you might actually be a goat person, because some research has shown that goats are pretty similar to dogs when it comes to intelligence. A paper published in Biology Letters showed that goats actually will gaze at a human to help them solve a problem if they can't figure out the solution themselves, and then their responses to that person change depending on the the person's behavior. For example, in this experiment, they trained goats how to open a box to get a treat that's inside, and then at the end of the test, the final part of the test, was they made that box inaccessible. They moved it up where the goats couldn't get to it, and then recorded their reactions. And their reaction was to look over at the people, some of which were facing the goats and some of them were looking away. And they found that the goats paid more attention to the people that were looking toward them, so they were clearly asking for help. Study author Christian Narwath said goats gaze at humans the same way dogs do when asking for a treat that's out of their reach, for example. Our results provide strong evidence for a complex communication directed at humans in a species that was domesticated primarily for agricultural production, and show similarities with animals bred to become pets or working animals, such as dogs and horses. Goats can also figure out how to use tools to their advantage. In one study from Australia, they set up a contraption that made the goats have to perform multiple steps, including pulling on a lever and opening up another thing with their mouth in order to get to that treat. And nine out of the 12 goats figured out how to do it after four tries. Even more impressive, 10 months later, they tried this again, and the majority of the goats figured out how to get to the treat. This shows that they have real long-term memory. And can I just say, uh, if you ever get a chance to go to a goat farm, go. They're, They're really cool, and baby goats are the cutest thing that's ever existed, I'm just saying. Next up is the dolphin. So octopuses aren't the only water-dwelling animal that's super intelligent. Dolphins are crazy smart. They're kind of like the human equivalent in the water, some people think, anyway. But they're also incredibly social. And this is one of the reasons why they're so popular at, you know, aquariums, but also in the wild, because they seem to have fun with each other. They play around, and they jump, and they swim, and, and they, just, they just have a good time. And one other sign of intelligence in dolphins is that they have a really complex language that we're only beginning to understand. They can use tools and learn behavioral commands from trainers. Female dolphins remain with their offspring for years, teaching them what they need to know to survive. And like I said before, they ace the mirror self-recognition test even earlier than humans do. Neuroscientist and animal expert Lori Marino said, quote, These mammals recognize themselves in the mirror and have a sense of social identity. They not only know who they are, but they also have a sense of who, where, and what their groups are. They interact and comprehend with the health and feelings of other dolphins so fast it's as if they're online with each other. Yeah, one cool thing that might help with that that dolphins do that has always fascinated me is that they get around with echolocation. But what that means is that they can actually direct a sound, an echolocation sound, to another dolphin that they can interpret visually. So they really can almost communicate telepathically in a way. Yes it's done with sound waves, it's not telepathy obviously, but they can just transmit through sound a visual image. Marino also said that dolphins can imitate human postures, what she calls cognitively demanding. And they have huge brains, in fact their brain to body ratio is second only to you and me. And the rest of humanity. I'm not saying that just you and I have big brains, although I'm sure yours is, you you got, got a nicely sized brain. Dolphin brains also have a specialized type of brain cell called spindle neurons, which are associated with such abilities as reasoning, communicating, recognizing, remembering, perceiving, adapting, problem solving, and understanding. Another cool thing about dolphin brains that I've always appreciated is that they sleep hemispherically. So basically the way dolphins sleep is they just turn off one half of their brain and the other one is still functioning so it can continue to swim and and breathe and all that kind of stuff, which I really wish we could do because I would be a lot more productive that way. And they also have a super complex limbic system, far more complex than even our own. And again, that goes back to the whole social aspect of dolphins. According to Marino, a dolphin alone is not really a dolphin. Being a dolphin means being embedded in a complex social network, even more so than with humans. And clearly they're really good with the social thing, because they seem to have a lot of fun together. Next up are crows. Have you ever seen a crow and been afraid of it? No? You should be. You should be. Crows, or corvids, are, uh, ridiculously smart and will probably take over the world someday. Consider this example. Crows that live in urban areas will pick up nuts and put them out in the street, waiting for a car to drive by and drive over them to crack them open for them and then eat what's been inside the shell. Work smarter, not harder, people. They actually have location-specific dialects and gestures. They use tools. They'll actually even play tricks and games on each other. One study tested their intelligence by giving people and crows the same puzzle. It was a toy that floated on top of the water inside of a tall glass that was too narrow for a bird's beak or a child's hand to get into. Children that were younger than eight years old couldn't figure out how to get the toy out. Crows, though, drop pebbles into the glass, displacing the water so that the toy would rise to the top and they could grab it. Corvids understand water displacement, and they actually hold grudges and have ways of letting other crows know that they have a grudge against them. And you better not get on a crow's bad side, because not only do they hold grudges, they gossip. In one 2011 study, some researchers wore masks while they went in and started grabbing and tagging crows, basically creating a stressful and negative situation for those crows. When the researchers went back to that area two weeks later, some of them wore these masks and some of them didn't, and the ones that wore the masks were caught at and scolded by 26% of the birds. They did this again a year and a half later, and this time 30% of the crows were cawing and scolding at these people. And then three years later, they tried it again. They hadn't done anything in between, they hadn't been wearing these masks, giving them negative or positive feedback. Just that one time, three years later, they came back, some of the researchers had masks, some of them didn't, and this time, 66% of the birds were scalding at them. In other words, the birds had somehow told other birds that weren't even there the first time about these people and the masks, and, and, they, and they did not like it. One of the researchers of the study wrote, quote, Later recognition of dangerous masks by lone crows that were never captured is consistent with horizontal social learning. Independent scolding by young crows whose parents had conditioned them to scold the dangerous mask demonstrates vertical social learning. Which is a fancy way of saying they were talking some serious sh**. Another sign of their intelligence is that they actually hold funerals for their dead and investigate how they died. Researchers say they do this in order to understand the dangers around them. In a study published in Animal Behavior in 2015, they said, quote, Our results support previous findings that crows learn places associated with conspecific death and further demonstrate that crows can learn and remember people who appear complicit in these events. But it's not all negative. Studies have also shown that crows can remember people who were good to them. And, and obviously they like those people. They've also been known to, like, resurrect dead band members from the dead so that they can avenge their girlfriend's deaths. That might have been a movie. Keeping with our feathered friends, there's the parrot. Parrots are good at problem-solving. They can also use tools and famously can mimic human speech. In fact, the staff at a UK wildlife center had to separate five birds from each other because they were teaching and encouraging each other to swear at the guests. I'm hoping they learn different words within colonies, park chief executive Steve Nichols told the BBC News. But if they teach each other bad language and I end up with 250 swearing birds, I don't know what we'll do. You'll make a ton of money is what you'll do. What are you kidding? Now, we know the parrots can mimic human speech, but it's starting to look like they actually kind of understand what they're saying. An African gray parrot named Alex is a perfect example of this. He was purchased from a Chicago pet store in 1977 and was trained by Dr. Irene Pepperberg, a comparative psychologist at Brandeis University in Harvard. And he was remarkable because he possessed more than 100 vocal labels for different actions, colors, and objects. According to Dr. Pepperberg, he could identify objects by their materials. He even showed math skills, able to infer the connection between written numerals, object sets, and number vocalization, and understood the concept of zero. And there's a reason why parrots and birds in general are so smart. In 2018, researchers in Canada examined 98 samples of bird brains that included parrots but also hummingbirds, chickens, and owls. What they were looking for was large pontine nuclei, which are neural circuits that move information from the cortex to the cerebellum. Humans and primates have large pontine nuclei, and it's considered a major factor in higher-level intelligence. And they did not find it in the birds. It turns out this area is actually really small in birds. What they did have, though, is a large medial spiroform nucleus, which is something that mammals don't have. And it turns out that in birds, this serves the same purpose as the large pontine nuclei. According to Christian Gutierrez Ibanez, the SPM is very large in parrots. It's actually two to five times larger in parrots than in other birds, like chickens. Independently, parrots have evolved in a large area that connects the cortex and the cerebellum, similar to primates. But this raises the question of why that SPM is so large in parrots when it's not any bigger in, say, intelligent birds like crows. They don't know the answer to this, and this is where the next level of the research is going. And last, but definitely not least, is the chimpanzee. Chimps are often called our closest animal relative, and that is definitely true when we talk about intelligence. Like most other animals on this list, they can solve problems and use tools, but they can also communicate with people through sign language and remember people's names even after decades apart. But one of the most intelligent things they can do is use symbols in place of objects and then combine those symbols in a sequence to convey an idea. In a 2007 study, researchers presented identical cognitive tests to college students, adult chimps, and adolescent chimps. Both the humans and the chimps saw the numbers on the screen for less than a second before being asked to point out where those numbers had been. The humans and adult chimps performed pretty much the same, but the adolescent chimps were far more accurate in remembering each number's location. They basically have a type of photographic memory. But the best one at this, the goat, if you will, was a young chimpanzee named Ayumu. He remembered the correct order of a number series that randomly appeared for only 210 milliseconds on a touchscreen monitor. That's faster than a blink. Probably the best sign of intelligence, though, is that they laugh when they're tickled. I don't know if that's a sign of intelligence or not, but it's cute. Now, there's actually a lot more animals that we could include on this list, but it would go on forever, so here's a quick list of honorable mentions. Like pigeons, with their ability to recognize hundreds of images even after many years have passed, Squirrel's cunning ability to hide food from potential thieves, pig's cleverness in outcompeting native species, orangutans forming strong social bonds, raccoons' lock-picking skills, rat's ability to solve mazes and their empathy, cow's ability to display complex spatial memory, domestic dog's ability to understand emotions and symbolic language, and domestic cat's disinterest and, uh... Well, just that. Their disinterest alone is proof that they're pretty dang smart. There's a scene in the book... Weather by Ginny Ophill, where a self-help speaker is speaking to an audience about human intelligence. And the speaker says that the only reason we are at the top of the evolutionary food chain is because we decided what's important. For example, the speaker said that if we prioritize sense of smell, then dogs would be considered more evolutionarily advanced than we are. Or if we thought longevity was most important, then bristlecone pines would be the most important species on the planet. Or if we thought that sex was the most important trait, then banana slugs would be the most important because they can change their sex. They're hermaphroditic and they have sex about three times a day. They know how to party. (laughs) All that's to say that intelligence has no one-size-fits-all measurement. You know, it all depends on circumstance and privilege. It could even be said that it's impossible to determine which species is the most intelligent because we have a very myopic view of intelligence. We can only gauge intelligence through the senses that we have. You know, other species might have thought the same thing about us, that we're not as intelligent as them because we perceive the world differently than they do. And today, with artificial intelligence and complex algorithms, there's a new kind of intelligence that you have to kind of factor in. And you have to imagine that someday, when artificial intelligence becomes super intelligent, they'll probably look at us the same way we've looked at other animals for thousands of years. But talk about yourself in the comments. What animal do you think is the smartest? Which ones do you have? Or, or share a story or an experience of an animal doing something spookily smart. We've all got pets. I'm sure we've all got a lot of cool stories about there. Share them in the comments. I want to see them. And hey, if you like this topic and you find it interesting and you want to know more about super smart animals, I can highly recommend the series Super Smart Animals on Curiosity Stream. Hosted by Liz Bonin and produced by the BBC, this two-part series travels the world to see some of the most freakishly smart animals out there and asks what makes their intelligence possible. Many of them are featured in this video. From the problem-solving abilities of crows and octopuses to the insane number recall of chimpanzees to the complex social and emotional dynamics of elephants, this goes deep into what really defines intelligence and gives you a whole new appreciation for our animal cousins. This is, of course, just one of thousands of documentary series you can find on CuriosityStream from some of the best documentary filmmakers around the world in subjects as wide-ranging as history, futurism, space, physics, society, the list goes on and on. And it was created by the guys behind the Discovery Channel. So it's kind of like what the Discovery Channel was meant to be. And on top of all that, when you sign up for CuriosityStream, you get access to Nebula, a streaming service that I'm a part of, along with many of your favorite YouTube creators. It's a place where we can do things outside the YouTube ecosystem, lets us try new formats and not be beholden to the algorithm. So you can find all of my videos on there ad-free, along with Nebula originals like Tom Scott's Money Series or Real Engineering Logistics ad D-Day Series or the original series I'm working on right now. Shooting it this week. I'm super excited about it probably come out in about a month or so tba but yeah when you sign up for curiosity stream right now they're offering a 26 percent discount which gives you an entire year of curiosity stream and nebula for 14.79 for an entire year two streaming services i i don't know how better to sell this that's just a ridiculous price so yeah if that sounds good to you and you've never had a chance to check out curiosity stream i would say now's the time to do it so just go to curiositystream.com joe scott links down below Big thanks to CuriosityStream for supporting this video, and a huge shout-out to the Patreons, the Answer Files on Patreon, that are supporting this channel. Also, I don't give them enough credit, the members, the YouTube members that have signed up. I want to give a shout-out to them real quick. Murder some names here. We got Marty F., John Lane, Chris Brown, Chris Boomer, Lakshmi Rose, Tish Lance, Jerry, Kurt92604, Megan Evans, Brandon Devane, Nathan Steer, Laurel Gingrich, Matt Radford, Alexander Verheven, A.B., Ventislav Eliev, David McCauley, Zarkos Flo, Amy Sawyer, Dave Walbert, Michael Caldwell, Henderson Gibson, Peter Soriento, Lynn McCurdy, and Brian Camras. Thank you guys so much. If you'd like to join them, get early access to videos, and have access to exclusive member and Patreon-only live streams, just click the little Join button right below this video, and you're golden. Please do like and share this video if you liked it. And if this is your first time here, maybe check out this video. Google thinks you'll like that one. Any of the others that have my face on it, you're welcome to go check out. And if you like them, and I hope you do, I encourage you to subscribe. I come back with videos every Monday. All right, that's it for now. You guys go out there. Have an eye-opening rest of the week. Stay safe, and I'll see you next Monday. Love you guys. Take care.